It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome to the Atop the Pitbox podcast presented by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. On this episode, we are going to talk all things Texas and the chaos and embarrassment that that race was. And look ahead to this crazy race at the Talladega Super Speedway. Josh, how you doing, buddy? Well, I'm doing a lot better that we got our uh, mic situation figured out here tonight. Hopefully this night doesn't have any uh, technical difficulties from, from last week. But uh, other than that, doing well. How about yourself? Doing good. Yeah, let's, let's hope we can get through this. No technical difficulties. Sound good, feel good. It's going to be a good podcast. There we go. So before we get into that, just a couple things. Uh, first off, thank you so much for listening. And if you do enjoy the podcast, uh, just shoot us a, a five-star review and let other people know about the podcast. So we would appreciate it greatly. Uh, reminder for November 6th, it's fast approaching. We will be at the West Side in Harlan, Iowa for our end-of-year celebration where we will have giveaways and t-shirts and lots of good stuff there. So if you can, please make sure to join us there. And uh, just a reminder that we are trying to grow the league and your help is appreciated. So if you know anybody, friends or family that would like to participate in this league next year, please send them to atopthepitbox.com where they can uh, register for next year. So with that being said, let's jump into free agency news week. Um, unfortunately, no, no new free agency news this week, but we do have an update on Ryan Blaney's appeal. Yeah. So if you recall there, Josh, uh, Blaney lost a tire at Bristol, saw it live, saw it happen right there in person. Uh, they decided to appeal for this past weekend's race because they knew how important the crew chief was going to be at Texas with just how crazy of a racetrack that is. They got through Texas, didn't have any issues. Uh, he's sitting in an okay points position, so they decided to go ahead and drop the appeal. So that means uh, the crew chief, the jackman, and the tire changer for whatever tire fell off are now out for the next four races. So they'll miss the next two races for this uh, cut line, or this this part of it, and yep. then two more races so they'll really have one race before the end of the final cut and then the the championship if they make it that far yep and so their their thinking is you know talladega not a lot of pit strategy involved at talladega survive Uh, yeah basically they just need to survive uh the roval yeah you probably need some pit strategy there but you might as well just get this suspension over with now because you're not going to win that appeal. I mean, everyone's lost that appeal that's lost a tire uh, during pit stops. So they, they just took their medicine. They're going to take their medicine now while they can and, and get it over with. And hopefully when the suspension's over with, Blaney's still alive in the playoffs. And then the other news that we had is Jimmy Johnson is back in the news. What's going on with him? Yeah, so for all you Jimmy Johnson fans out there, or just fans that are interested in in what Jimmy Johnson is doing, he ran the IndyCar Series full-time this past year uh, and decided that 
he is done racing full time. He wants to spend time with his wife and, and family. Uh, he he did put out a statement saying that he is retiring from full time racing, but and I say but in all caps, he is open to trying the double, which is the Indianapolis 500, and then do, flying down to Charlotte to, to do the Coca-Cola 600 on the same day. A couple drivers have done it in the past, but he's an endurance racer. He, he loves running marathons. He loves biking long distances. So he likes put you know putting his body through the ringer and, and testing it and putting it to its limits. So uh, he said he would like to try that, and he also said that he would like to uh, run some occasional races in NASCAR as well. So we'll see if anyone offers him a ride. So he was really, before I started watching, his dominance was pre predates my, my NASCAR fandom. So were you a, a Jimmy Johnson fan? So Dale Jr., I, I was always a Dale Jr. guy. And then when he went to Hendrick and was racing with Jimmy... I never had a problem with Jimmy Johnson. Uh, he was an incredible race car driver, and, and he did something that I don't think we will ever see again with the number of consecutive championships he won. Is that uh, seven? Know, he he won seven championships. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think he won them all in a row, but gotcha. Um, he, he just dominated the number of wins, the number of championships. With how competitive NASCAR is, it's incredible what he did. So uh, I was, was never this before. Jimmy... Was this before stage racing and and the way that the playoffs are right now? He won some before, but I think he won a couple after. Uh, if you recall, I believe he might have won the championship the year that Norton's favorite driver Carl <laughs> Edwards wrecked at Homestead because of Joey Logano, and I think Jimmy Johnson went on to win that championship. If it had not been for that wreck, I don't think Jimmy would have won that one. But uh, because of Carl Edwards blocking Joey Logano and Logano punting him out of the way, causing a massive wreck, Joey or uh, Jimmy Johnson went on to win that championship. I wish Norton talked about that more. Well, it's, that one it's, and the and the Dale one. He, he's 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 never bringing those up. He you got to feel for the guy. Every driver he, <laughs> he cheers for just is you know just doesn't turn out to be very good or just has a lot of struggles. So. Poor Norton. I mean, Blaney has been awful since he he came out and said that was his new driver. So, yeah, I I wish he would pick Chase Elliott or Denny Hamlin. That's for sure. He can't. I'm the he's the reason <laughs> I'm a Chase Elliott fan. So I I tried to to be the uh, uh, I my favorite number is five, and so I wanted to be the the five car, and that was Casey Kane. And he's like, bro, nah, you don't want to do that. He's like, what about Chase Elliott? I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> and ever since then, it's been a wrap. So, North right. has I have North to thank for that one. So, um, all right. So now let's turn our attention to Texas. A lot of stuff to talk about. Um, just want to get your your overall thoughts quick of, on the race and and what you thought of what we saw this weekend at Texas. So I'm going to try to keep this short and sweet. It was a joke of a race. Uh, it was an embarrassment for NASCAR. That is the second race in a row where tire issues or mechanical issues that are, for the most part, out of the team's control ended up altering the race. What about you? Yeah, it was uh, it was frustrating to see 
your leaders continue go down with with tire issues and we're, we're gonna get into to tires here in just a minute but uh yeah it was it, it was a decent race overall um but definitely overshadowed by uh by the tire mechanical issues that these these, these cars face so let's just start at the at the end tyler reddick gets his third win of the year yeah tyler reddick he had a fast car all day uh, he had one issue that I can recall where he had to go down pit road. I can't remember if he had a loose lug nut or what that was, but they came. He went, I think he went a lap down. He was able to get it back. Uh, but then, obviously, with everyone having issues, uh, he just kept working his way through the front and, and ended up winning that race. So uh, it just shows you he's a good driver. And, and what I thought more of the story was just how that team is still sticking together with everything that they've gone through, knowing that Reddick's out of that car next year. Uh, it, it was just really cool to see him win that race. And the fourth straight non-playoff driver to win a race. So we are still waiting for a playoff driver to, to win a playoff race. So I don't, it, this has probably never happened before. We've gone this long without, without a winner from the playoffs. Have we? No, and again, this whole year has just been so insane and crazy that nothing nothing is surprising me <laughs> anymore at this point. So this is definitely going to be a year for the record books. So good win for Tyler Reddick. Uh, the main storyline, though, as you brought up before, is the tires. So let's talk through let's talk through this whole situation with with what's going on with these these cars. Yeah, so to put it in perspective, Texas had 16 cautions uh, on Sunday, eight of them caused by flat tires. Uh, 16 cautions is a record at Texas, and again, half of those cautions were caused because of tire issues. As I pointed out, it's a second race in a row that tire issues or mechanical problems have caused chaos and havoc, especially on these playoff teams and drivers. Um, the, the the crazy thing to me was it seemed like the faster these cars went, obviously the more tire issues you had. So you look at the leaders who ended up blowing a, a right rear tire. Kevin Harvick was leading the race, wrecked because of a flat tire. Chase Elliott, same thing. Blew a right rear tire, destroyed his car, uh, caught fire. Truex, another another leader, blows a right rear tire. And man, his he is day. ready for twenty twenty three. Man, he is done with yeah, this. Yeah, and year. I got a, I got a quote for you at the at the, here in a little <laughs> bit that kind of sums up sums up what his feelings are for NASCAR at this point. Um, as you're watching the race, turns three and four were what what I call calamity corner. Seems like that's where a lot of the tire issues happened. And if you didn't blow a tire, a lot of guys were getting loose and spinning out there. Kyle Busch ended his day in turn three and four. I don't think he had a tire issue, but he ended up getting loose and, and hitting the wall. Stenhouse, Bowman, a bunch of guys had problems in turns three and four, whether it was tire issues or, or they just got loose. Yeah, and I was I was listening to Door Bumper Clear podcast earlier, and they brought up uh, a point about the 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 cars the setup for the the turns in turn 1 isn't the same setup for turns 3 and 4 so they were you know they had to set the cars up air pressure wise and 
you know, just overall setup for turns one and two. And, and it caused a lot of problems in, in three and four, which is what you saw, uh, with all those issues and, and tire issues in, in turns three and four. Yeah. So as you watch the race, I'm pretty sure if my memory serves me right, turns three and four have, have some bumps and mm-hmm. you could tell when these cars went into three and four, I, and I, I could be wrong. It's one and two or three and four has a set of bumps or like you pointed out, you've got to set the cars up differently for each each corner. And for whatever reason, it seemed like everyone was out of control, wrecking loose in turns three and four. And I'm pretty sure that's where the bumps are at Texas, but I could be wrong. So let's talk about the tire pressure because this is the this is the debate that's going on uh, on Twitter. Any NASCAR fan that that watched this race is is talking about tires and and talking about what can be done to uh, eliminate these problems. So I know uh, Kevin Harvick's crew chief came out and put out a statement with some thoughts. Uh, what are you? What do you, what, what are your thoughts on what NASCAR or these teams should do when it comes to, to these tire issues? Yeah. So to start with, uh, I, I think it's it's twofold. I, I do think the tires need to be made better, whether that's from a consistency standpoint, whether that's a material whatever that process needs to change, the tires need to be changed uh, so that these issues hopefully uh, are prevented or, or happen less frequently. So that's, that's point one. Point two is, is as Rodney Childers, who's Kevin Harvick's crew chief came out and said, these teams have such a small box that they're able to work or, or make changes in they're kind of limited to what NASCAR is basically giving them from a car uh, setup wise uh, and stuff like that. So the whole thing with this new car is, is that the rear diffuser in the back bottom of the car, they're trying to get that thing as low to the ground as they possibly can, because that, that essentially is where these teams get their speed from. And so in previous years, so sorry to interrupt, but previous years, they would be able to adjust that themselves without messing with the tires, right? Like there was other things that they could do to the car. Yeah, you've got uh, you got sway bars, you've got different springs, you've got um, quite a few more things that they could have adjusted last year. Track bar, um, wedge, all that stuff. I mean, it's night and day different to what it is this year. So they just they don't have a lot that they can adjust in the car to get these cars faster. And so what these guys are doing is they're running super low air pressures, uh, especially in the back to get the car down into the track. And that helps increase their speeds. And so like Rodney pointed out, these cars are so stiff because of what NASCAR basically gives them from a shock and in all of that setup wise that, the car just doesn't have a lot of giving back. It's so stiff that when they're hitting these bumps or um, going as fast as they are, the cars are traveling and loading in the corner so hard that these tires literally are just blowing out. So he's got ideas on how to fix it, but I'm just not sure uh, NASCAR is going to be able to do anything this year for sure. And maybe they can do something in the off season because something has to change because this is becoming way too big a topic at this point in the season. What are you, what are your thoughts on the argument that 
NASCAR teams are going to find a way to, to or look for an edge in any way that they can. And Goodyear gives them a range of, of what these tires should be inflated to. And these teams know that if they go lower, that they're going to gain speed. But they're towing that line, and you see these leaders as they get in the front, and they start going a little faster, and you see those tires blowing. Um, so how much of this is on the teams? And obviously the tire plays into that, but uh, how much is it the teams that are pushing this envelope just a little too far and getting caught? Well, I think that has, I would say, 40 to 50% of the issue. But uh, again, because of the box they're in, they really only have very like a couple things that they can control or adjust. And unfortunately, tire pressures are probably the easiest thing for this for this new car adjustment wise to make. So to go fast, you've got to run them low. So yeah, it's running into problems. Or Goodyear does give these teams a range that they suggest. They haven't come out and said what that range is or was for Texas and what teams were doing air pressure wise to see if that truly is the biggest culprit. But yeah, uh, we saw t- some teams not have any issues like Tyler Reddick won the race. He never had any tire issues in regards to blowouts. So they obviously knew maybe something, or maybe they set the car up air pressure wise to be super conservative, uh, which ultimately, you know, ended well for them. But I would love to know more of the story on what these teams were doing versus what Goodyear and NASCAR was recommending from an air pressure standpoint. Regardless, it sucks that these races are being affected by the tires. Not even just the races, but the playoffs are being altered by the the tires. So uh, it's a shame and hope that it doesn't continue and hope that the teams can kind of figure this out these last couple races. But, man, it's you almost you hate to see what's going to happen. You hate to look forward to see what happens when there's going to be, you know, a leader running Daytona. Or, or they're going to be running Talladega and <laughs> 200 miles an hour and, and worried about a tire. So hopefully it's, it goes away like the, the left fronts that we had, you know, in the beginning of the year, but it's not a lot of time to, to fix these. So another thing that happened in this race, and this is, this, this segment could get a little interesting. We had a little, little incident between your favorite driver, Denny Hamlin. Fine. And yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Willie Byron. Not sure I'd say that, but okay. (laughs) So, you want to recap what happened? So, for those those of you that didn't watch the race, or just a quick refresher, uh, Denny Hamlin got extremely tight running into turn two. Byron was on his outside. Hamlin and him never touched, but because of how high Denny Hamlin went. Byron got into the wall. He said it was a pretty hard contact, bent his toe link. Luckily, he didn't break it, but he did bend it. And so because of that, Byron was pretty ticked, felt that Hamlin was driving in over his head. And uh, because he was mad, which my uh, memory says that I'm not sure I've ever seen Willie Byron that mad before. (laughs) That's true. I mean, he never wrecks people or or cusses or does anything crazy he be, he's basically a, a 180 of denny hamlin or kyle bush whatever you want to say 
So for him to be that mad just tells you something definitely was wrong. But under caution, uh, that was when Martin Truex, uh, I, I think that was when he was leading. But nonetheless, Truex brought the caution out with because of a flat tire. And under caution, Byron wanted to show his displeasure. And so he went up behind Denny Hamlin, gave him a very, very hard push, which <laughs> because Denny Hamlin is such a poor driver, he lost control Let's of his car. Let's stick to the facts here. Let's stick to the facts. Spun him out under caution. And so obviously Denny was pretty mad about it. Almost tried spinning Byron back out, which I would have loved to have seen <laughs> uh, because he would have been penalized and maybe suspended. But um, Hamlin wasn't happy. Uh, they're yelling at NASCAR, basically saying, like, we just got wrecked under caution. Hamlin thought he should be able to get his spot back. NASCAR said, no, you got to go to the end of the longest line or end of the, of the lead lap. Um, and that's kind of sums up the chaos and, and definitely something that you – I haven't seen that in quite a long time, especially uh, in NASCAR here the last few years. I know it's happened – in the past in the truck series and the Xfinity series, but I haven't seen that in NASCAR in a long time. So when you were watching that, Josh, what were your thoughts uh, as it all played out? All right. So I want to, I want us to both step out of our fandom here. Obviously you're anti Hamlin. I'm pro Hamlin. So let's, let's look at this objectively and say that what Byron did, regardless of if he feels justified or not, it's one thing to bump somebody. It's another thing to spin them out. So you cannot spin out another driver under caution, period. Right? I agree with that. But okay. you were saying at work that you have never seen drivers hit each other under caution. And I say, I don't know what races you're watching because <laughs> these guys are doing this nonstop. I, I, I want to clarify that. I meant the spin, like to the degree where it affected the race, where a driver lost his position because of, of a, a bump or another driver sending a message. So yeah, that, I'm, that... I'm okay with Willie Byron sending a message and being pissed off, but if you do spin another driver and take them out under caution, there has to be some kind of penalty for that. I do I do not think that Denny Hamlin should have got his spot back. It's unfortunate, but it is you can't you can't just make that call and say, oh, he would have been here. That's that's not how the rules work. But for William Byron to not get penalized is absolute dog shit, and NASCAR should be ashamed. They came out and said they didn't see it. I don't know. That that seems like like a, a load of uh, crock of shit to me. But let's see. What do you think? So let's just say NASCAR has not had its finest hour slash <laughs> moments this year with all of the problems they've had. So when they came out and said they missed it, they didn't saw or they didn't see it. They were too worried about Martin Truex and making sure like the, the AMR safety people got there and, and all of that stuff. Okay, that's that's a bad look in and of itself. But then once they knew what had happened, the vice president of competition, Mr. Miller, said that uh, they had already gone back to green, so they didn't feel like they could do anything at that point. 
so just today here a couple hours ago actually nascar said that yes they're going to dock byron 25 points and find him fifty thousand dollars so byron went from being plus 17 in the playoffs to now he's below the cut line at minus eight points and my argument is is yes if you do spin somebody out under caution you probably should be penalized whether you you get put a lap down whether you got to restart at the end of of lead lap yes you need you need to do something so that you don't just have people wrecking each other nonstop especially under caution so no one's going to disagree with you there but for NASCAR to miss it and then penalize Byron <laughs> after the fact to me is even a worse look because you don't give him time to make up the ground that he could have made in the race. So say he would have restarted 25th. I I watched Bob Pockrass in his video earlier today. And I think he said Willie would have started 25th. And there's still 30, 40, 50 laps to go, whatever it was. Willie B had a fast car. He probably could have got up to, say, 10th position. So he would have gained 15 spots there. So he would have had finished 10th place, right? He finished 7th in the race, but he would have finished technically, call it 10th to 15th. So he would have lost, say, 10 points in that situation compared to what he what he had realistically. So now after the race, you find or you dock him 25 points, which now puts him below the cut line on the outside looking in, all because they completely blew the call during the race. And now they've got to hurry up and do something after the race, which is which is my problem, my issue. I don't think they should have done it. They should have came out with a statement and said, if this happens again, these are the penalties. These are, you know, the the, the point stocks or the fine or something. But to do it after the race, to me, is even worse than if they would have did it during the race. So how did they come up with 25 points? Did they literally just pull this out of their ass, or is there some kind of precedent for this? So uh, I've never – this has never happened from what – from my memory in NASCAR, I have never seen this happen before. Usually if it happens during the race, they would park them for five laps or park them for a lap or put them to the back of the field and move on. In this case, they completely blew it. So – Again, Bob Pockrass was kind of talking about what his thoughts were. He thinks the 25 points are a combination of some hypothetical situations that might have happened during the race if they would have sent him to the back of the pack. So it's all subjective so, still. They're subjectively very subjective. That's that's complete horseshit. He should have been yes. penalized, but but you can't just make it up as we fucking go. It is it's yep. so frustrating and. I so again, NASCAR has made so many blunders, especially in the last two, three years. NASCAR has gotten really bad and gotten a lot of calls wrong for whatever reason that is. But this leaves us into a couple driver quotes from hold on, before you Texas. get to the driver. Hold on, before you get to the driver quotes, um, I just want to say one more thing about uh, about NASCAR. They're a, a billion dollar company. And I get real tired of every week them coming out and saying, we didn't have eyes. 
We didn't have eyes in the turn to see the rain that that's coming. We didn't have eyes to see the uh, Danny Hamlin, who's obviously communicating with NASCAR, being like, "Hey, man, I got spun on caution, under caution." Um, you know, it's just it seems like a a BS excuse, and I can't imagine the NFL doing something like this. It's just it, it's it's a. Uh, it shows that NASCAR is a class below those sports because they you got to well, run it better from from the top. I agree 100%. I mean, I was trying to think of certain sports and, and issues that would maybe compare to this. I mean, only thing I could think of was the NFL with the pass interference, blown calls in the playoffs. You know, your Vikings were Saints, hmm. things like that that completely altered the game and, and decided things. But they came out and made rule changes accordingly. Uh, to try to fix those errors, whereas NASCAR really doesn't seem to be making any changes uh, to fix what's happening. So I agree, man. Uh, Very frustrating. For as big of business as NASCAR is and as many people uh, who are in it and and at the track and are supposed to be watching things, uh, it, it just is not a good look. And something has got to change because this cannot keep happening. Um and, and I, I mean, you're gonna start. You're gonna start having maybe some NASCAR owners, uh, maybe voicing their opinions and coming out, and uh, that that could be a whole different situation for NASCAR. So they, they've got to get something figured out before there's, uh, before those those owners and and some other people start saying stuff or or maybe start causing some uh, problems that NASCAR does not want to see. Especially the people that uh, you know write all these checks for these cars that keep getting destroyed because you know mechanical issues or or things happen. So uh, now we can get to your driver quotes. Sorry to to interrupt there, but um, no, you're good. Um, so <laughs> after after the race at Texas, there were there were so many just <laughs> drivers fed up with what has played out here in the last two weeks with NASCAR. So I thought uh, it'd be good to share two quotes. The first one is is my favorite out of the two, but Martin Truex Jr., quiet guy, calm guy, super nice, one of the most well-liked guys in all of motorsports. This is what he said after wrecking from the lead due to a blown tire and also the year he's had with parts failures and, and things out of his control. He said, I don't even know what to say between crappy parts, tires exploding, and all the BS we're dealing with. It's an absolute joke. There's a lot of people who make a lot of money to do this and get this stuff right. That is all I'm going to say. Preach. So right there, <laughs> right there, he he's basically drawing a line in the sand saying NASCAR is full of incompetent people who get paid a lot of money and they get better get this stuff figured out. I don't He's think anyone wrong. disagrees with what he said. <laughs> not at all. Kyle Larson came out. Uh, he was asked what should be done to fix Texas Motor Speedway. And I thought this was pretty comical. He said they should demolish it and start over. <laughs> <laughs> so between those two guys, again, guys that are pretty quiet and really don't have a lot of bad things to say about NASCAR, I thought that was pretty telling. What does that say when you have one of the the best drivers in your sport coming out and saying this, basically you just blow this, this track up. They should, they should get rid of it. Uh, what does, what do you think NASCAR thinks about one of their drivers speaking out like that? 
Well, you know, Harvick's been outspoken here in the last six, eight, ten weeks about crappy parts and how this has turned into a joke. So, uh, of course, I don't think NASCAR is happy about it, but they have nothing to stand on. They can't defend it. Uh, I mean, what are they going to say? Please, <laughs> please work with us as we work through our problems. You know what I mean? Like, th- they can't really defend anything that these drivers are saying because it's all true. So, just to recap the the race, stage one winner was Kyle Larson. Stage two, Ryan Blaney. The winner is Reddick, and Reddick also led 70 laps, which was the most. So he gets the extra uh, bonus points for most laps led. That leads us into our Jeff Gluck poll of the week. Sit down, (laughs) prepare yourself, brace yourself. When I saw this number, I was thoroughly shocked and surprised i knew it was going to be bad but his poll his poll <laughs> results said 13.4 percent of voters said yes it was a good race 13.4 percent you heard that right 13.4 percent that is the second lowest poll ever out of 255 races that he has been doing. <laughs> Essentially, that is almost nine years worth of polls. And this is the second worst. And the cherry on top, the absolute worst race in this poll was the All-Star race, which coincidentally was at Texas as well. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. So based on these two polls, <laughs> I think Kyle Larson should start a, a construction company buy Texas Motor Speedway and just demolish it and turn it into a parking lot or a campground or something else because <laughs> it, Texas Motor Speedway should not be on the schedule moving forward. Yeah, that is that is really bad. Um that is that is that is super super low. I obviously knew that it was going to be low as well, but uh never did I think that it would be in in the teens um that just shows fans are getting kind of tired of it um they didn't they didn't like the racing they didn't like the the tire issues and they're they're voicing their opinion so um our picks for the race you picked christopher bell which i thought was a pretty good pick he finished in 34th and i had denny hamlin and went he finished in 10th so my streak of second place finishes ends it did take a little uh bs from willie b to to knock him back that far but uh it is what it is so we'll we'll try again this week for for uh our picks looking at the fantasy impact so our team average for the playoff was 93 overall was 86 so a little bit higher for our playoff teams and we had a low from bryce Mickles, hope I said that right. Michaels, Mickles. Um, sorry, Bryce, but low of 28, so good week, and a high of 144 from Keeley Park. When we look at our uh, top 24, Zach, I uh, I'm loving this new these new standings because there's a new number one, and it's bigger sandwich, baby. Yeah, no one cares. <laughs> so I am uh, I'm trying to pull a Dan Grable here and I've got two teams in the top six and then if you want to throw in Kinnick's team 
is in fourth, which I picked. Technically, it's under his name. But uh, what do you think about me having three teams that I picked in the top six? Well, it seems like if you're a leader of the fantasy standings at the end of that week or the next couple weeks, you're set up to fail. So kudos <laughs> to you for you know at least having some teams up there. Um, but I don't think history is on your side in regards to you staying up top. So when I looked at so uh, so I am in first, Adam Studer fell to second and Ryan Brash number two fell to number three. And those were the, those teams were one and two last week. So I looked at the, the team comparisons between those three teams and all three of us have Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson and Chris Busher, believe it or not. Um, the difference is I have Byron and Ross Chastain. Adam has Logano and Bell and Ryan has Blaney and Bell. So obviously Bell finishing in uh, 34th hurt those teams, but just something to keep an eye out as we go uh, to Talladega. Those are kind of the the drivers that will make a difference in, in those top three teams. So, um, so, what, so what you're saying now is I was on Team Willie last week, and now I have to go against him and Ross Chastain so that your team starts sucking and you jinx yourself for bragging about how good your teams are with how many races left in the season? I mean, I got to enjoy it while I can. I, yeah, that's true. That's I mean, true. Well, I could sit here and just be like, well, I guess I'm going to lose. But, I mean, I'm going to enjoy this week. And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm having more fun in the playoffs than you are. So, at least I, I got some teams to, to look at. So. Well, if, again, if you want to talk about the historical performances of our <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> uh, you've got a winner here. You've got a third-place finish. You've got a fifth or sixth-place finish. Um, just you like know, a Nebraska fan, just living in the past. One, uh, one bad year isn't, isn't going to make or break me uh, compared to you, who has never been in the playoffs to this point, but now you have a lot of teams. So kudos to you, man. <laughs> I'm actively rooting um, against you, and, and we'll I, see how it plays out. I, I know you are. It's, it, I would be too if the roles were reversed, so it's fair. Uh, looking at our former number ones, uh, Taylor Schleiss is in P5, so making a nice recovery into the top five. Amy Weiss has fallen to P8, and good friend of the show, Tracy Norton, is in, or Tracy Norton number one, is in P10. So anything else uh, jump out at you of the, the top 24 here? No, uh, the, well, two things I should say. Uh, T-Nort, our buddy, uh, I hope he sneaks in here, maybe finishes ninth, wins a couple bucks, submits six teams next year. We got to have him in the league <laughs> next year. So we'll get him. Uh, I'm pulling for T-Nort here. Uh the second thing is, is with all of the tire issues and with all of the wrecks and with all the playoff drivers who make up a majority of these teams, I'm not surprised uh, that you had a variation of, uh, you know, the low of 28 and a high of 144. I mean, that's a significant difference between the high and low. And again, I'm not surprised by that based on uh, the carnage that ensued at Texas. So the difference between first and 18th. Uh, is 107 this week, so it's down from 137. So those teams are starting to tighten here as we get into the playoffs. The bubble watch, 
So if the teams are the the teams that would be eliminated if the playoffs ended today would be Adam Holtz, Don Brockman, Richard Rainey, Robert Schaefer number one, Patrick McMeekin, and Fast Eddie. So the last of the Dick McMeekin family would be eliminated. So at least you got you can live vicariously through Patrick. Well, and that's that's exactly what I'm doing, which it pains me because he's got Austin Dillon on the team, and I've got to cheer for Austin Dillon to do well. So didn't you pick his uh, team? I picked his team, man. I so picked you picked his Austin team. Dillon in the beginning. Twelve, twelve dollars, baby. It was twelve dollars, twelve so points, it, whatever it, you want to call it. It was one to blame cheap. but yourself. <laughs> no yep. one to blame but yourself. Well, he, I, I didn't, I, knew I didn't know Austin at the time that. I didn't know at the time he was going to take my boy Truex out of the playoffs. So I'll tell you this, I'm never picking Austin Dillon again. So <laughs> uh, I'm going to save this to make sure next year when you have a t- submit a team with Austin Dillon. So he's like an eight I, point drive. There's drivers. I can't, I, I, I can't pick Joey Logano. I've never had Logano on my team uh, that I can recall. There might've been one year, but nothing recent. Austin Dillon's going to be out of that list. And Denny Hamlin is flirting. He is flirting with me, never picking him. And I don't think I will. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what next year brings. But uh, in regards to the biggest risers of the week, again, this is the playoff risers. Uh, even bigger sandwich. Cheated again. Went from P16 to P6. Love it. Ron Ron Boyson went from P12 to P7. And Taylor Slice went from P9 to P5. You kind of mentioned who they all have on the team. But uh, good weeks for those guys, even with – Elliot, Truex, uh, as well as um, I guess Briscoe had a good week. So Briscoe was two of those, and he he ended up finishing P five. I forgot he came back and had a good week. So <laughs> Elliot, and Mar- Elliot and Truex were the two big um, black eyes there, but everyone else had a pretty good week driver wise on those teams. Biggest fallers, you pointed it out. Uh, Adam Hotz went from P eight to P thirteen. Richard Rainey went from P ten to P fifteen. Crazy Dale went from P5 to P9, and Regan Rolfus went from P7 to P11. It's, it's Reagan. Reagan, no. sorry. Reagan Rolfus. Okay. I'm never going to get that right. Uh, Truex, Harvick, Bowman, Kyle Busch, and Busher all had bad weeks. So those, those uh, teams unfortunately fell back in the standings this past week. So, rookies. Taylor Schleiss, we mentioned him a couple of times, P5. Robert Schaefer, number one, P16. And Patrick Meekin in P17. Those are all playoff drivers. The next one, uh, next rookie in the standings is uh, David Bangert at 25th. And I uh, just checked again. And Zach, yeah, he's not in the playoffs still. Wait, what did you say there? Yeah, David Bangert, not in the playoffs. David Bangert still is yeah. not in the playoffs? Still wow. not. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize he he didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, he's been out since the the first cut. So, yeah, he wow. learn something uh, new every day, man. <laughs> Poor David Banger. <laughs> oh man, oh, we we love you, David. We love you. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's look ahead to this weekend's race at my second or third favorite racetrack, Talladega Super Speedway. It's called the Yellowwood Five Hundred. Your Zach's track facts of the night. I've got five fun track facts for you. So fact number one, 
The original plan for the new super speedway was to be built in Atala, Alabama, which is the hometown of Bill France Sr., who is a giant player in NASCAR. Uh, but plans fell through. So that was the original location or original thought process for this speedway. So that is your track fact number one of the night. Track fact number two, the track was then built, or the decision was to build it in Talladega, Alabama, at an abandoned airfield from World War II. Uh, For those of you who have not been there, I cannot emphasize or overstate just how massive of facility this place is it is giant uh, and it opened in 1969 fact number three it originally was called the alabama international motor speedway but changed to talladega super speedway in 1989 and the reason for the change uh, was a lot of sponsors started becoming involved in nascar and sponsoring nascar uh, and they started Uh, throwing some dollars out, and they decided to change the speedway, or the super speedway, I should say, to Talladega Super Speedway to align with some of the sponsorships and sponsors that were involved uh, in 1989. Fact number four, it is the longest NASCAR track and the first track for a stock car to break 200 miles an hour. So that kind of puts it into perspective about how big this place is and how fast this place is. This is fact number five. This is my favorite fact of the night, and I'll kind of give you more of a story after I tell you this. But a casual visitor to the Talladega Super Speedway could assume that the Speedway is the firewood and bead capital of the world if they (laughs) went there for a weekend. And the reason why I say that is it is the biggest campsite infield party of the year in NASCAR. And for those, basically drivers love it. Fans love it because there is a place called Talladega Boulevard. It is a paved strip in the middle of the infield. And it it might be the old uh, runway for the airfield. I can't. Uh, confirm that, but that would make sense because I basically it's like the only paved thing in the middle of the infield. But there is parades every night during this. The campsite's open today. Today is today is Tuesday. Campsite's open today. There will be people people there who camp from Tuesday all the way to Monday. And there's a running joke that once all the campers and and people leave, uh, even Dale Jr called it out to Talladega earlier this year and just said, please take pictures of what people left. There's just random things that people leave, whether it's tires, chairs, swimming pools, uh, just random, random things. So that just shows you the kind of party that happens in the infield uh, every night. But there are quite a few beads that get tossed around for those who have uh, been down to New Orleans and, and know how to earn those beads. So let's just say uh, this is the biggest party of the year NASCAR wise in the infield. And it is a party that I would love to go to at night one time. So you've been to Talladega and you didn't go to this, you didn't go to the party. So we didn't, we did not get to the track until the day of the race. 
So with all of our driving and everything, we unfortunately missed the party. But that is probably on my bucket list to do is go to Talladega camp for a weekend (laughs) and just experience the party and the chaos that ensues on the Talladega Boulevard. So with that being said, so quick driver stats. Uh, Ty Dillon actually is the best active finisher at Talladega. Nine races. His average finish is 14.3. Ricky Stenhouse in 18 races is finished uh, at 15.0. Chase Elliott over 13 races has an average finish of 15.2. And Kevin Harvick, 43 races at Talladega, has an average finish of 15.4. So, again, this is a playoff race. This year has been completely chaotic. I don't think you can look at the history books, the average finishes, any of that stuff to give any indication on who's going to win this race. Uh, There's going to be a lot of drivers like Joey Logano, who's got a 30-point cushion in the playoffs. I think he's going to drive around literally dead last, back of the pack, uh, the entire race just trying to survive. And then there's going to be some drivers out of the playoffs who don't care and are going to try to race and be aggressive and win the race. It's kind of wild that the best driver finishes 14th in, uh, <laughs> it just shows you that there's just, it, it's really hard to be consistently good at a super speedway like this. And that's why they call it a crap shoot. And anybody literally can win, win this race. So well, yeah, a lot of know, luck, a lot of luck is involved. So speaking of winners, I think I got one this week. I think I'm ready to go. So I go first in the picks, right? Yep. This week? Go ahead. All right. So I'm going to pick a driver who has been fast lately and probably should have been in the mix for a win last week, but some jerk wrecked him into the caution, Denny Hamlin. Okay, so you're going with Denny Hamlin. I told you my logic. I'm going to tell <laughs> Our, our listeners, my logic. Well, first off, I want to point out, I think you picked Hamlin probably 18 races this year. We're going <laughs> to institute a new rule next year where we can only pick a driver maybe a max of three, four, five times a year because this has turned into just the Josh and Denny show. Um, I despise Denny Hamlin as a driver, love him as a businessman, but... Uh, it, it's comical to me that you just keep picking Denny Hamlin. So, I mean, if you want me to pick somebody else, I'll, I'll pick another driver. I'll no, pick somebody. Fine. I you, uh, you, you keep, uh, you keep picking your boy, Denny Hamlin and, and keep watching him not win the race. That's fine. Uh, my pick is going to be a driver that I can't stand. And the logic here is it seems like everybody I've picked in the last call it 12 weeks has wrecked, blown an engine, blew a tire, had a terrible week. So I think it's the Zach curse. It's like the <laughs> curse, but it's the Zach curse of fantasy NASCAR. And I'm going to pick a driver who I hope has a terrible weekend, a driver that I despise. And I'm going to go with Joey Logano. Wow. I hope he wrecks in the back of the pack. Uh, again, he's, he's leading the championship point standings. He has finished in the top 10, a crazy amount here this year. He just seems to always be up front, and I can't stand it. So I'm going to hope my jinx continues and Joey Logano has a bad week. 
He's uh, that's a good pick. He is always. I'm not even in this to win a pie and pie you in the face. I am in this to jinx drivers (laughs) in NASCAR. (laughs) Well, you're doing a really good job with your previous pick. So I, I will see if it, if it, if Logano has an issue this week, then we we really need to be careful about who you're picking. So, um, I mean, he was at the, at our Bristol uh, driver experience you didn't enjoy his answers. You didn't find him entertaining. Yes, Joey Logano. He's a very friendly, personable, great, fun guy from everything that people say. But Joey Logano, the driver, uh, I am not a fan of. You know, he's wrecked Willie B. Uh, he basically cries. You, you know, he's got into fights in the past because of how aggressive and, and just uh, some of the stupid moves he pulls on the track. How so is he different driver, than Kyle Busch? How is he different a, than Kyle Busch? As a driver, I despise him. As a person, I'm sure he's a great guy. Same with Denny Hamlin. Businessman, person, I'm sure he's a great guy. But driver, can't stand him, man. But you are but you like Kyle Busch. How to explain Kyle that? Kyle Busch has turned over a new leaf this year. But you liked him when he was a douche. This is the first year that he's he's grown on me, man. I felt I felt bad. With the free agency stuff, him trying to find a new team, Joe Gibbs kind of giving him the shaft. Uh, his you've been on Kyle Busch since the beginning of the year before all this. You've been on you and the personal stuff that he's going through with his wife, with infertility and trying to have kids and stuff like that. You got to look at the whole picture here. So, anyways, <laughs> you are you Danny are Hamlin. No, Joey your Lugano. fandom is so ridiculous. I hope you two both had terrible weeks. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I I I don't hate the Logano pick. I think he's been pretty good. I don't know how, like you said, I don't know how much he's gonna put his nose in the the madness. No, but I don't um, think he's gonna sniff the top ten because he's just gonna camp out in the back of the pack. So, what do you think of that? What do you think about that strategy? It's the only strategy that they really, really can employ. If you've got a 30-point lead in the playoffs with just these cars being terrible, uh, crappy parts, crappy tires, that's really the only strategy they can can use and employ uh, to give themselves the chance to get out of Talladega with hopefully a you know, 20, 25-point cushion, hopefully. So what if a bunch of teams do that? Does that would that affect your perception of the race? Oh, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think the race is going to be as good as what it could have been or can be because you're going to have playoff drivers who are going to go straight to the back of the pack to be ultra conservative and try to avoid wrecking. Like we saw at Texas, uh, you're going to have non-playoff drivers. So in, in all reality, I think, Chris Buescher and Brad Keselowski are probably going to be up toward the front. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if either of those two win uh, the race because they've got fast cars and they've got nothing to lose. They're going to go up there and try Stenhouse to house too. Yeah. Stenhouse too. Yeah. You, you add him in the mix um, again. I, I just think you're going to have call it 15 racers who who aren't in the playoffs, who don't care. They're going to be up there. Bubba Wallace. I mean, these guys are going to be ultra aggressive and try to lead every single lap. Whereas the playoff drivers are going to be racing at the back of the pack, trying to survive, 
trying to save as many points as they can for the Roval next week, which we'll see how the race plays out, but I think it could be a pretty boring race in all reality. Man, if we get a boring super speedway, we are in big trouble. Because, <laughs> well, I mean... Again, I, don't be surprised if it's a boring race because you're going to have essentially half the pack or half the field that are actively going to be racing and the other half are going to be in the back just trying to survive. Mm, I hope you're wrong, so, but I I can... I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but that, that would be very unfortunate if if that's the race that we end up seeing this week. And so. it's a really long race too. So, it, I mean, sure. I, I think the first two stages for sure might might be extremely boring. It might pick up on the third stage, you know, especially since guys are racing for wins. But uh, well, playoff drivers... The, the stages, though, we could see some some hard racing at the end of the stages as, as people try that, you know, they're maybe in the 12th to 11th, you know, spot trying to get some playoff points, maybe. Maybe, but man, if I'm if I'm like Willie B or or someone below the cut line, normally the wrecks happen at the end of stages at these super speedways with guys. At least you would say the uh, aggressiveness picks up and the chances for a wreck increase at the end of the stage with drivers being ultra aggressive. So to me. If you're below the cut line, yes, you need stage points. And maybe you're able to sneak some points out with pit strategy, you know, two tire versus four, something like that. But with how chaotic these stage stages are, I'd almost rather be at the back of the pack in case that wreck does happen. Yes, you're going to sacrifice points, but your goal is to is not to win the battle, it's to win the war. So um, I don't know. You can see what if you're hanging out. What if hanging out in the back of the pack means that you have to run next to Cody Ware? Would you still do it again? These these guys don't have any, (laughs) it's unfortunate, they don't have a choice. With with you're almost like Cody Ware as you are to (laughs) be involved. And who knows if he even races? I mean, that that wreck we didn't mention it, but that was the hardest wreck I have seen in NASCAR this year. Uh, I'm glad that no pit guys were out on pit road doing anything because that could have been really, really bad. And they showed on the broadcast missing that, that opening. Yep. I mean, if he, if he would have, if his driver's side hits that edge of the concrete wall, I mean, that's, there's not, there's not protection on that driver's side, you know, that no, can protect it, the it, concrete wall. So it would have been very, very bad. It could have been really, really ugly. So again, he says he's going to race. He's, he, he, he said he's not feeling great, but he's, he's going to try and race. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But again, I, I, I'm just preparing us. Uh, you know, we've amped up and and uh, excited or got excited and uh, talked up so many races this year. And a lot of them have unfortunately turned out to be duds. I don't want to be overly excited about this, but uh, I, I just truly think that a lot of these guys, especially above the cut line, are going to be rolling around in the back of the pack for I would say a majority, if not all of the race, just to try to survive and, and get to the Roval. So I hope I'm wrong, like you said, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. And, and we'll talk about it next week, uh, <laughs> next week, like we always do. All right, man. Well, thank you. Good luck to uh, Hamlin. Hope he, he wins the <laughs> race. And uh, it, he's, he's owed. NASCAR karma needs to, to come back his way. So we'll, we'll I mean, see what happens. If you, if you pick him 36 straight times, he's going to win a race eventually. So uh, it, it's, it's not a, a bad strategy. I'm just saying. 
I think it's a poor strategy, but uh, we'll you know, see. I, just, I really just want to 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 pie you in the face with with a pie with Hamlin's face on it, or or at least like the number eleven, and and just have that be very uh, uh, celebratory or symbol- symbolic. symbolic, yeah, symbolic of uh, of the whole thing. So. Well, I'll make sure to wear a Willie B shirt if that happens, just just to make you happier. But uh, nonetheless, man, it's always fun. Right. Another great uh, episode. Enjoy your evening. Uh, and as always, the Atop to Pit Box podcast is is uh, supported by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. With winter coming up, now is a great time to book a trip to Lake of the Ozarks, and Paradise Executive Properties has you covered. They have several modern and fully furnished homes for up to 19 people. So bring your friends and family down to create a memory that will last a lifetime. For more information or to book your reservation, visit ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. Thank you, my friends. God bless. It's no days off. Take no breaks. You in my lane. You in my way. Cross that line, it ain't your day. I lost my mind. I need my spot on my way.